We played a complete game, four quarters. It was far from perfect, and there's a lot of cleaning up, but I thought our guys played hard. They played physical, and that's exactly what we've been talking about all, all season. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. news today woke up this morning saw wtmj with the story the brewers they got a big announcement today press conference business news I'm like oh god because i was doing bill's show earlier today and every time that i've woken up to a news alert about the brewers this summer it hasn't been good it's something relating to stadium funding and people are gonna be mad they're like oh no got all these packer guests lined up we're gonna preview packers falcons Trying to go 2-0. and Football, football. It's a football Friday. A green and gold Friday. Red of fins up Friday. Never miss a Friday show. The Brewers. We got no room for politics and bureaucracy and, and funding and millionaires versus billionaires. Okay, millionaires versus millionaires because Mark Adonacio is not a billionaire. But you get my point. And then we come to learn later in the morning slash early afternoon. Uh, they're just getting a Northwestern Mutual patch on the jersey. All right. Nice. It's good branding. A little extra money coming into the team. Maybe could have been an email. You know, maybe didn't have to do a press conference, but I thought more about it today. If Northwestern Mutual is spending money to get a jersey patch, I, you can hold me a press conference. I, I want I want good, uh, good value coming back. So I get that for Northwestern Mutual. We also learned that outfielder Garrett Mitchell has been cleared to be going to rehab assignment with AAA Nashville tonight from Adam McCalvey. Whoa! Don't look now! Tyrone Taylor going from the fourth outfielder spot to the fifth outfielder spot. Here's a question. Buy or sell the Brewers would have the best fifth outfielder in Major League Baseball with a healthy Garrett Mitchell because that would put Tyrone Taylor at five. Wow. I mean, Joey Weimer should be five because Joey Weimer basically, he basically can't hit right now. And I like him and I love him in the future, but mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'd love some more outfield depth. The swag of Garrett Mitchell, the spirit of Ryan Braun lives on. You know, minus the minus the thing. Minus that he's Jewish. No, I'm kidding. I meant minus the steroids. <laughs> Other than that, they, they seem very similar. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Loaded show tonight. Okay. I went all out, got a bunch of Packers guests. We have Andy Herman, Pack a Day Podcast. He's gonna join us next. Then after him, we're gonna hear from Perry Goldstein, Packs what she said podcast. They're cohorts in the Packers podcast space. I haven't talked to Perry in forever, so this is going to be a blast. Talking about a week one win, hit a couple of different talking points with Andy and with Perry, and then in the final hour of the show, Mike Clemens is going to join us. So we're going to have less time to talk on the phone tonight because this is I mean, this is an expert-based show. We're getting expert opinions and analysis. So I'm not going to waste a ton of time. I'm going to give you two or three minutes worth of my thoughts on the Vikings game last night and what's going on with Packers injuries, and then I'm going to throw the phones open. I see we're already getting calls. I will get to you because I don't want to do no calls tonight. It's just going to be tough because so we have a couple of guests. 601-321-1670. Uh, By the way, I wrapped up last night's show talking about how Temple and Heilpern is going down monks in Sun Prairie. And I did not notice it while it was happening, but I think two times I said Sun Prairie was on the west side of Madison. I'm well aware it's on the east side. I live on the east side. I, it's six hours of live radio a day. I don't even know what I'm saying right now. And the show just started. 
So we can't misspeak every once in a while. Colin Cowherd said Rock Me Like a Hurricane is an ACDC song today. It happens. You're on the radio long enough by yourself. You're going to misspeak. Sun Prairie is on the east side. I'm not an idiot. Well, I wasn't wrong about that. I just misspoke. Maybe I am an idiot, but that's separate. 608 321 It's the number. I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Vikings-Eagles last night, that was just about as predictable of a game as you'll find. And I don't mean to be the I-told-you-so guy. I don't mean to be the I was saying it all along. But let me tell you how my night went last night. I got home. I watched an episode of Suits. Uh, I was going to go for a run. Didn't just because there's football on. I mean, I didn't have time to waste after work last night. I had so much to do. Watch an episode of Suits. Turn on Thursday Night Football, and I'm watching for a bit. And I start getting the itch to play some video games. I want to I play some League of Legends. So I, I start hitting up the group chat, the fellas. I'm like, uh, hey, guys, I know we're all watching football, but in the off chance that this game gets out of hand in the second half or we get bored, you want to wanna play some video games? And by the way, I'm a social gamer. I have a, a friend in this group who lives in Denver. Two of them are up in the Twin Cities. I, I never get to see these friends. So this is how we stay in, in contact. This is how we stay connected, which is what I tell myself when I stay up until 1 in the morning playing with them, despite needing to be here to produce Bill's show at, at 9 a.m. That's neither here nor there. I texted the group and I said, hey, guys, I know you want to watch this game. I want to watch this game. But let me tell you how this is going to go. The Eagles in the third quarter are going to come out and realize that they are significantly better on both lines of scrimmage. They're going to stop messing around. They're going to pound the ball down the Vikings' throat, and they're going to get out to a sizable lead, somewhere around 26, 27, 28 to 10, 28 to 14. This game will appear out of hand, and for the most part, it will be. Then Kirk Cousins will catch fire. Garbage time Kirk Cousins will activate. He's going to add about 150 to 200 yards of garbage time offense in the third and the fourth quarter, maybe a couple of touchdowns. It'll get close, but never really be a game. That's basically exactly what happened, except... The Vikings actually had a, a more realistic shot to win this game than I thought they would if the Vikings defensive line and their new crown jewel of that line, Dean Lowry, could have stopped the run. They might have won this game, but DeAndre Swift was able to carry the ball 28 times for 175 yards. But Kirk getting his in garbage time. The Eagles dominating both lines of scrimmage. The Eagles have yet to really hum. They've yet to really click. But it was their home opener at night at the link. The Eagles are not losing that game. Not with the advantage that they had in the trenches. And you know, these games are won in the trenches. It's hard to win in this league, and it's especially hard to win in this league if you fumble the ball a lot and you're weak in the trenches. And the Vikings did both of those things. They were weak offensive line, defensive line, and they fumbled and, and gave the way four turnovers last night. The Vikings lost on Sunday, and all Vikings fans said, well, whatever. If we don't turn the ball over three times, we win. And then last night, they turned the ball over four times instead. Very, very predictable. That was last night. 608-321-1670. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Happy Friday. Who's this? Hello? Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is this me? I'm on. All right. You're I'm on. Listening. I didn't hear the click. It's Sorry. Mike and Eau Claire. Yeah, I got you, Mike and Eau Claire. Sorry, I, I put you on a little bit ago so you didn't hear the click. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. No, I... Man, they, uh... I'm still holding on to my Philadelphia saying that they might not make the playoffs. You think might so? not. I'm not. I, I, they they didn't look good, man. They're not. They're playing the Vikings. The Vikings won a lot of close games last year. I'm not sold on the Vikings. Yep. And then Philly didn't really. It's not like they manhandled them like the Dallas did 
to the Giants. It was just, uh, eh, all right. They they all right, used good, man. You, well, we're all Badger fans, right, Mike? They they reminded yeah. me a lot of the Wisconsin Badgers football team in a game where they weren't gonna light it up and they weren't gonna look awesome. But the Badgers know sometimes that if they just hand the ball off every play, they're so much better on the offensive and defensive lines that they'll just eventually win. And that's kind of what the Eagles did last night because Jalen Hurts didn't look awesome. A.J. Brown still hasn't really settled in. Same with Dallas Goddard. Other than Devontae Smith, like it's been the running game and basically the only running game for the Eagles. But it's good enough and their lines are good enough that they've been able to win both of these games. Yep, I agree with that 100%. Devontae was a shining star other than that. But uh, the main reason I'm calling was like, I am so happy that Rogers' injury isn't our problem. Yeah. That's all I got to <laughs> say, man. I, I'm so happy. And then the drama, I like, you know, I don't dislike the drama that goes with him. It's entertaining. But I'm just glad it's not it, our drama. It is, but, inter- but it's not our drama. Yeah. It's not our problem. That's the main thing I was going to say. I'll hey, let you talk on, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you, Mike. And sorry to, sorry to put you on the air kind of out of nowhere there. I'm sorry. I, I didn't really set you up too well. Um, Rogers went on McAfee today, which I didn't see until later because, McAfee has me blocked, which I really wish he wouldn't. I wish he would unblock. I need to find a way to get unblocked. Rogers said today that the healing, where's the quote? I, I'm not even going to try to explain to you what he said. I'm just going to find the quote and read it to you. Talking about recovering. Uh, quote, there's ideas that some of the noises from the dolphins when they're lovemaking, the frequency of that is actually healing to the body. So maybe some dolphin porn to help him grow his Achilles back. I'm not making that up. He said that on the the Pat McAfee show today. Wildly entertaining. I'm just glad that he doesn't play for us anymore. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Man, Grant, how do you confuse Sun Prairie and Middleton? Hey, 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 hey. East, West, who hasn't confused North, South, East, West once or twice when they're going on six hours of being on the radio by themselves? I'm well aware that Sun Prairie is on the east side. I just said the wrong word, and I, I sounded like a doink because of it. And to everyone, I, I apologize for that. But it was just a misspeak. Uh, pop quiz, what is the Middleton High School athletic mascot? Oh, my Lord. Why why would I need to know that? I, I, I don't have any high school allegiances in this area. I'm a Lacrosse Central Riverhawks fan and a Menominee Mustangs fan, and that's about it. But what is it in Middleton? Tell me. It's the Cardinals, and what is it in Sun Prairie? Why are you at, don't put don't make me look bad like this? I don't know. It's the Cardinals. Yeah. So I was cr- trying to give you an out, Grant. You could have said, "Well, look, I get them both confused. They're both Cardinals, but no." Well, what about what about Eau Claire North? Huh? You want to play this game? What's the Eau Claire North mascot? <laughs> the region. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's 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 the one. Yes, correct. Uh, do you have anything to say about Rodgers, Vikings, Eagles? Well, what's what's on your mind today, Vagabond John? Look, I mean, uh, I, I'm kind of curious, and I guess I'd have to ask Ben Kenny this, but, you know, the Eagles giving up 21 points and over 100 yards and, what, 10 receptions to Justin Jefferson? I'm really curious as if, uh, if the Eagles fans are calling to the defensive coordinator's head right now. I don't even know who the Eagles' defensive coordinator is. I'm going to be 100% honest. Yeah, I don't either. They're, all I know is they're top five last year. They gave up 28 points. Sorry, I, I was wrong. But that, 
That's egregious. I can't believe that fan base is not calling for the defensive coordinator's head. Well, they're a little banged uh, up. They're without some of their guys. Avante Maddox, it looks like, ripped one of his, what is it, bicep or tricep? I can't remember, but it looks like he's going to be out for a while. Yeah. Yeah, this morning, Rowdy was saying, yeah, you know, they have an injured pass rusher. They're missing their second-best corner, and they've got a couple guys that have been banged up throughout the game. Okay. So it's understandable that <laughs> it's understandable that they yeah. gave up 28 points. And I was like, Oh, that's really interesting you said that. I know where you're going. That's, my, this, that's yeah. my thing with Rowdy, man. He's uh, not every radio host you can do this to, but it's pretty easy to lay traps with that guy. You just <laughs> ask him the right questions, and he says exactly. And then all of a sudden you say, now talk to me about Joe Barry. Yeah. Yeah, and I look, I give Joe Barry credit for week one. Ran a lot of stunts, ran a lot of twists. I think they're going to have to do more of that in Atlanta because they need to get in Desmond Ritter's grill. I think they need to get him to make some mistakes. Mike Clemens is telling me earlier today, five straight starts now for Desmond Ritter to start his career without a pick. I think the Packers are going to have to change that or get him to make some sort of mistake to help get an extra possession or two on Sunday. Atlanta. I'm feeling weirdly confident. Um about that that game and i'm going to atlanta in, a, in two weeks uh for a work conference so i'll be sure to pack my nice Packers jersey if we end up dominating but i'm i'm pretty confident in that game i think the uh the packers cover by a long shot now with my badgers i'm the total opposite end of the spectrum i'm looking at this 20 point spread i'm looking at what i've seen so far i'm looking at georgia southern being the team that beat nebraska in nebraska last year and i'm thinking to myself uh-oh uh, I don't. Game I, I don't. I don't. I don't know why anyone would pick the Badgers to cover a big spread right now. I think they could win and they could maybe work through some kinks, but I'm not looking to the Badgers right now to cover a, a 26, 27 point spread. I, why would we expect the, that of them? Yeah, I think it's kind of wild. So uh, upset alert. I don't know if I'm quite there, but it, man, I've been shocked by uh, by crazier things or less crazy things. I would not be surprised to see Wisconsin lose this weekend. Let's put it that way. So I'd probably get some flack from their community on that, but no, watch no. out for that. I mean, maybe Middleton and Sun Prairie, as you mocked them by saying they have the same mascot, maybe they'll give you some flack, but I certainly won't vagabond, John. I would never. There we go. All right, Grant, that's all I had. Have yeah. a good weekend. You as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy college football tomorrow. I don't know that I'm going to watch a ton of college football tomorrow. The slate's not very good. I just, uh, this might be a Saturday where I, I don't know, where I attend to other things. You know what I mean? Like, not go to an apple orchard or a pumpkin patch, but, like, I don't know. I might do other things. I don't know that I'm going to have a lot of couch time tomorrow. It's beautiful outside. I might go do other things. Now, Sunday, I'm in. I'm always in. All day Sunday. 11 a.m., Terry, Howie, Michael, and Jimmy, I'm there. All the way through 10 o'clock at night, but tomorrow, I don't know. Slate kind of sucks. One more call, and then we'll take a break. Get to Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast. Wisco Sports Show, 608-321-1670. Who's this? This is Senator Ron Johnson. (laughs) You called me. So I was trying to find that clip today. This is Cone Roller. Uh, I saw you on Twitter. Yeah, Ron Johnson called into the wrong radio show the other day. Why can't Ron Johnson call this show? I'd love to talk with Ron Johnson. I don't know about what, but I'd find something pretty quickly. Yeah, knowing Ron, he won't get anywhere near Madison, so I think he'll be okay. <laughs> he, he he knows how to play to his eye. That's a good point, yeah. I don't know if he's accidentally calling a, a Madison number. That's a good point. And, Grant, am I crazy for thinking the Vikings played pretty well last night? No, not not at all. No, I, I think they played very well and did some great things. They just can't stop the run, and they had a couple really dumb turnovers. 
Yeah, the turnovers killed them. And um, honestly, I'm surprised the offseason addition of Dean Lowry hasn't shirt up their run defense because he's Man, he was a force for us all those years. Yeah, well, Dean Lowry, well, that's the thing. I, I don't understand it either. I thought that was an investment that would pay off in in spades. I, I don't get it. I, it doesn't make any sense to me either. People are coming for Kwesi Cohn. People are very unhappy. Last year's Vikings draft looking like a total bust. Not getting much from this year, although Jordan Addison looks very good. But some are, some are saying that that was a Kevin O'Connell pick. I I don't know. People are unhappy and, with Kwesi right now in Minnesota. From what I'm hearing for, about Kwesi is, you know, he's a great analytics guy, but not a football guy. Yeah, you know, sometimes football. you just got to pick, you got to pick the players, not the, not the numbers. Yeah. You got to look again. You got to sit down in a meeting with one of these prospects, look him in the eye and hear them tell stories and, and grind the tape. And I, you know, Kwesi is an analytics GM. I, I don't know. It, it has Vikings fans. I think more skeptical because he's an analytics guy and because he was kind of an outside the box hire, but this Vikings defense, I think Flores is doing some some smart things. I just don't know that they have a lot of talent on the D-line. And it sucks because as a Packers fan, I've been in that spot. It's it's happened to us in the playoffs where the other team just runs it down your throat and you can't do anything with it. Yeah, and honestly, the Eagles, we might need to take a little bit of a step back of, you know, crowning them as NFC juggernauts. They, they still don't look that great. Their offense, you know, you saw – their running game really came alive. Was that more their running game or was that more the Vikings defense? And then is there trouble in the locker room between Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown? There might be. Uh, if I, I, There's going to be trouble between A.J. Brown and the Eagles in the locker room and me. I'm going to get involved because I have him on more than one fantasy team and I'm getting my ass beat for both of these first two weeks. I'm sick of it. Get him the ball. Same. Get him the ball. Yeah. I have him as well. And when that touchdown got called back, I was I was I was human. I was not thrilled. Yeah, I don't know. I do love to bring this full circle and, and to get back to a, a Packers angles. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I do love seeing Justin Jefferson get all pissy in the middle of a game. That that makes my heart grow a size every time I see it. Uh, yeah, I don't think he was getting too pissy. I mean, he, he looked frustrated for what? One play and then... Sure. Just a little pit. Not, not too much piss. To dominate. Just a little pit. I mean, he was dominating. I guess I probably saw it more in the second quarter and in the beginning of the third quarter before the offense really started to click and before he really started to get going. So maybe I'm just cherry picking a couple of plays, but those plays did happen. Yeah, I think you're cherry picking a little bit, but hey, that's, that's okay. That's you are fine. in the media, so I get it. <laughs> What do you got going on this weekend before I let you go? What's on the docket? Uh, playing some golf tomorrow here with a, with a new friend. And then um, got a date on Saturday night. And then Sunday, just like you said, got a, got a date with my couch. Yeah. TV. You got to put in the time. Maybe Quesi Adolfo Mensa could learn something if he got off his spreadsheets and started sitting down and, and watching the All-22 and grinding these games. Maybe he'd be a better GM. Yeah, and, you know, Twitter screenshots are still out there showing people open at one frame out of a, a four second play. So, Hey, those are always so keep doing dumb. that. And there's always a guy open. Oh my God. Appreciate you. Cone. Have a great weekend. Yeah. You too, Grant. Fins up. Fins up. More to cone roller. Thank you for not missing a Friday show. Yeah. I, this, so this is the clip. Ron Johnson. Just listen to this. This is what cone was referencing. This is not political. This is hilarious. And when I saw this quote, I was just trying to imagine if this happened on this show, how we would handle it. I guess Ron Johnson was supposed to do a hit on one of the Odyssey stations in Milwaukee. He somehow ended up calling into Kiss FM, and they answered it live on the air. This is this is an unbelievable radio clip. Listen to this. Hi, who's this? This is Ron Johnson calling for Jonathan. Oh, what's going on, man? Uh, 
I'm calling a couple minutes late here, but uh, calling oh. in to be on the radio, I think. Oh, that's cool. Oh, you are? Wait, who is this? This is uh, Senator Ron Johnson. This is Ron Johnson? Sen- Senator Ron Johnson? Correct. W- weren't you guys trying to call call through here? No, but what do you, no, what do you, what's, going, what's going on with you? You're on the radio right now, but what's going on? <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm just returning your call. I was supposed to go on with... Uh, Jonathan Krause. This isn't Jonathan Krause, huh? Who's Jonathan Krause? Jonathan Krause. Oh, yeah, no, this is the Jake and Tanner show on the uh, on the morning show. You are on the radio, though. Where are you at right now? Well, I'm, I'm in Washington, D.C. You guys were calling through to me, so I just assumed this was the same same number. No, oh. different number. Really this other radio. Okay, I have to call this other radio show. Happy to interview with you at some point in time, but uh, I've set it up and scheduled it. Hey, really definitely. quick, really quick, Ron Johnson, Senator Ron Johnson, what do you think Because we're about, in Wisconsin. We, yeah, we uh, are I, in Wisconsin. Really Wait, what do you think about the aliens in Mexico? What do you think about the aliens in Mexico? Do you believe those? Also, stop trying to hold back our state. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Hey, do, do better. I tell you what, if Ron Johnson ever accidentally calls this show, I will put him on the air with Dave from Monona so fast. I, I will personally, I don't know how, I will find Dave from Monona and Eric on I-90, and I'm putting Ron Johnson on the air with both of them. I don't know how. I'll have to do it quickly. It'll take some on-air producing, but I, that is a roundtable we absolutely need. And, and I want Eric on I-90 to speak with Ron Johnson about our transportation budget, and I don't know what he'd talk about with Dave from Monona, but I'm sure they would find something to, to discuss I'm going to go to bed praying every night that somehow Ron Johnson or hell, I'll take Tammy Baldwin. I'll take Derek Van Orden. I'll take Tony Ebert. I'll take Scott Walker. Scott Walker might be the funniest of all. Please, please. I would love for a politician to accidentally call this show. I won't tell you stop holding our state back. That would be getting political. I would never get political with a political candidate. I would be fair and balanced like Fox News. Okay, three minutes. We're back. Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, happy Friday. Fins up. It's Friday. You never want to miss a Friday show. Going to get the latest from Mike Clemens in the second hour of the show as we begin to wrap things up. Got a couple experts booked today. I put my producer shoes on, went all out to get us some Packer guests. Joining us now, Andy Herman. Pack a day podcast. I love having him on any chance I can. Andy, I tell you what, this week has been incredible. Packers want to know. I'm happy you're here. How are you? It has been amazing. I'm doing great. Hey, you got Mike and Perry on later. What do you need me for? I feel like I'm the opener for the main event later. Well, no, well, no. It's that's not how we organize things on this show. We don't go opener to main act to headliner. It's very, uh, it's very socialist in the best way. The way we do things. That's what I'm saying, though. Perry Perry and Mike are phenomenal. So I'm like, what what, what do you need me for? Those guys are going to have everything covered. But no, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you. They are great. I'm excited for. Uh, for the show today. I'm, I'm amped that this team is 1-0. I'm excited for the Falcons game. I do want to relive the Bears game for a minute or two with you. Uh, I know it's Friday, but throughout this week, Andy, you know, a lot of people have kind of ho-hummed Jordan Love's performance, and it's not like he racked up yards, and you know he didn't make any amazing Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes-level throws on the run, but I tell you what, Andy, I, I was watching the highlights back last night. Both of those touchdowns to Romeo, those are pretty nice. Those are pretty nice. I, maybe we're underrating what he did in week one just a little bit. Yeah, it, it's it's easy to do that. And, you know, he had a phenomenal quarterback rating, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 245 yards. 
Um, yeah, I don't think we need to get into the whole, you know, did he do something that Aaron Rodgers didn't every yes. single week this year? But the 245, three touchdowns, zero picks, the last time Aaron Rodgers had a stat line like that was in 2021. He didn't have a game like that all last year where he had over 245 yards and uh, over three or more touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really impressive performance for week one. I think everyone's put the caveat on it that this Bears team is probably not very good. That defensive line is the worst front they're probably going to see all year long. But you also have a ton of pressure on you. It's your first game as a full-time starter in Green Bay. There's a lot of questions. And to just go into that, you know, the uh, stadium where the Bears fans were obviously super excited for that game, really confident going in. Um, it's not a uh, super easy environment to play in. And just kind of own that game and, uh, you know, have this, the performance that he did. I thought, you know, people have thrown around, you know, calm, composed, poised. I think those are all uh, very, you know, apropos adjectives to use for uh, for what he put on tape this past week. So I think you have to really be encouraged with what he did in week one. And I'm not trying to say he looked like an MVP, but a couple of those touchdown throws, I'm like, man, that. The little sidearm arm angle off platform to zip that into Dobbs in the back of the end zone or the fade like those were, I don't know, those were some some throws and maybe they weren't 80 yard bombs down the field. But I don't know. I'm excited to see what he can do in week two. And and he did this against the Bears, like you said, not against a great team or, or perhaps a great defensive front. But he did it with a lot of young wide receivers and young weapons, and that's really impressive. It's not as though he had an eight or a nine year veteran as wide receiver number one. I want to ask you specifically about. Dobbs and Reed, they seem so much older than a rookie and a year two player. The way they speak, the way they play, they're all business. I think on a young team and on a young offense, the personality of those two guys is going to be huge. And that jumped out to me last week. Yeah, I think Brian's done a tremendous job. You know, when we go back to the Ted Thompson of drafting Packer people for this organization, things like that, getting the right fit for the locker room. But there's a lot of really mature players on this roster for being the youngest team in the NFL. Um, you know, even some of the, you know, look at Jordan Love. I mean, we forget that he's younger than Sean Clifford, you yeah. know, who's a rookie on this team. Uh, Romeo Dobbs, obviously one of those. And um, they can take their cues from guys like David Bakhtiari and Aaron Jones and Preston Smith and a lot of the great veterans on this team. But uh, even the young players, and Matt LaFleur talks about it all the time, about how these guys love football. You can tell uh, you know, you can tell when they talk about it, and it translates on the field too. You know, Romeo's running routes, but he was, he's running a lot more aggressive than he was a season ago, which you love to see. I mean, the ball that he plucks out of the air on a jump ball, 50-50 ball, you love to see that. Jaden Reed coming up with some big third-down conversions and is obviously the big punt return. Uh, I'd love to see him come back a little bit more on that one third-down throw, and I, I think yep. you know, Jordan probably needed to throw that a little bit more to the outside as well. But those are things that are going to come. And I think you have to be so encouraged with the fact that these guys are so young. And even going back to Jordan for just a second, like, this is sort of the baseline. So this is his second start. And I know this is, you know, he's had time to develop and things like that. But you only get better with reps in the NFL. And he's barely had any. And he's doing some of that stuff in his second start. Really, like, he's, I think he's played less than 200 snaps in his entire career so far. So the fact that you're seeing some of that stuff now, I mean, imagine when he has a whole season under his belt and can use some of that experience to, to go back upon. So I, there, there's a lot to be excited after week one. Well, I want to ask you about the defense uh, and about Atlanta, but quickly because you went back to Jordan Love, I, I think of it like a, like a musician, right? If a musician spends all the time at home practicing, learning the material, learning the music, then when the musician gets to practice with the rest of the band or the rest of the orchestra, he's got all that bass material covered. And now all he has to work on is, is the little stuff, the volume, the dynamics, when to come in. And that's how I like to think about Jordan Love. He's got all the, the playbook, the, the, the academic stuff covered because he's been studying for three years. Now he's just got to go out and tweak. And that's the fun stuff, right? Learning with your yeah. teammates and learning in real game action. I, that's so much fun. 
That's pretty well put. I like that. Let's talk about the defensive line really quick. Andy Herman, Packaday Podcast. Greg Olson said on the TV broadcast last week that the D-line is a strength of this team. I heard it, I rewinded, and then I heard it again, and I almost fell out of my recliner. Give me your assessment of a defensive line group that looked awesome and a couple players that look like maybe they've taken a step since last year. Yeah, I'll combine it with kind of the defensive front as a whole, the rushers and the defensive linemen, because I think the way that Green Bay is using them is obviously very in unison. And, you know, you look at just kind of the depth that they can roll out there right now. Uh, we'll start with Edge. You, you've got Preston Smith or Sean Gary, barely had to play, played 12 snaps in that game, was phenomenal in those 12 snaps. Kingsley Nigbari, Lucas Van Ness, Justin Hollins, you can rotate those guys in. Nobody has to play, you know, 60, 70 snaps, and you're not – Spreading like last year when there were times where you know Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary would both go out for a breather at the same time, and it was Jonathan Darvin and Ladarius Hamilton that were coming into the game. It's just a totally different team from that standpoint. And then along the defensive line, I mean Devontae Wyatt looks totally different than he did a season ago. So much more physical, and there were times in that game he looked unblockable. You team that up with Kenny Clark, and then you've got some penetrators. You've got um, you know a Colby Wooden. You've got a Carl Brooks. Like those guys can get into the backfield and add a little bit of spice and flavor to it. You've got a big guy in TJ Slayton. They've got maneuverable pieces. They've got like a, a, you know, different guys that have different skill sets, and they haven't had that. And they've had so many slow burn guys like the Dean Lowrys and the Tyler Lancasters and the Jerron Reeds. And now they've got a little bit of juice up there, and it's really fun to watch. And I think that's really going to pay dividends throughout the course of the season. Sixty seconds, ninety seconds here to wrap up, Andy Falcons. I think it's a low scoring game. Possessions and points are at a premium. How does this game look, and what's the path or the Packers' path to victory, especially if Jones or Watson are banged up? Maybe those guys don't play. Yeah, I think that is a big piece. You know, if Jones and Watson can't go, I think that's super unfortunate because I mean they're just both such playmakers and they add so much juice to your offense. But I went back and I watched the you know all twenty-two every snap of, of Panthers Falcons. I, I thought Falcons had a pretty decent day on defense, but I, I went back. I, I really felt like Green Bay just has the, the better team. I think the things that really slow you up in, in a game like this potentially is you're going on the road for a second straight week. How does a young team respond to winning their first game? Maybe get a little bit ahead of themselves. Can they go? into Atlanta with the you know, same level of intensity and preparation for their second consecutive road game. And then, um, yeah, I think this is, you know, lame and boring and cliche because, of course, but I really do believe turnovers are going to be a huge thing. I think if this is just yeah. a straight-up game and Green Bay can go down to Atlanta, play their brand of football, even without Jones, even without Watson, if that's the case, I think they win this game. I think it's going to be, you know, young rookie mistakes from this team. If that stuff happens, it's advantage Atlanta. If Green Bay just plays the brand of football, it's advantage Green Bay. I completely agree. I'm so excited for this game. This season has been so much fun so far. Easy to say when you're 1-0, but this team's got a new energy and and a new brand about them, and I'm interested and, and fascinated to watch them and see where they go. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast. Enjoy the games this weekend. Thank you so much again, Andy. I appreciate it. I always appreciate it. Have a good one. Always appreciate Andy hopping on. Perry Goldstein going to join us next in a couple minutes. Packs What She Said podcast is a little bit of a, an insider Friday, an expert Friday, a football Friday. Uh, and if it's up Friday, of course, Wisco Sports Show. We're going to take five minutes, come back and talk with Perry Goldstein next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Sports Show. Mike Clemens is going to join us uh, quarter after five, 20 after five, somewhere in there. Going to ride with us till the end of the show. Get the latest from what's going on in Green Bay. Injury report. All that jazz. Looking forward to talking to Mike. 
I went all out this week. Andy Herman, Packaday was just on with us. Now we welcome in Perry Goldstein, Packs What She Said podcast. I don't even know the last time we talked to Perry. Perry, we're one and oh. It's an amazing time to reconnect. It's been too long. It's so good to talk to you. It's so good to be back. You as well. And I love that the Packers are 1-0. I don't know why, but Sunday's win felt better than a Packers win has in so long. For for once, over the last couple of years, week one did not feel like a relief that it was over. It didn't feel like this hurdle that we needed to clear. It was... It was joyful. Like, I watched this team. Everyone's smiling. The energy was completely different than what we'd seen the last few seasons. The energy was great. I think there's something about going into a season with, like, very low expectations or, like, not as heightened expectations as we've had the last few years that just makes it, like, all the better. And I think the Packers outperformed by expectations against the Bears. Now, you can caveat all you want that it was the Bears, but there's something about it being the Bears that also made it a little sweeter. It's fun to beat a rival. The last couple of years, beating the Bears didn't do much for me. Like, it's nice to hold serve and to beat a rival and to win games that you're expected to win, but they just talked so much. And that's why this week, both on on Bill's show and on my show, like, I haven't been able or or haven't been, like, as hesitant to take some pot shots at the Bears because it's like, you guys signed up for this. So, like, now when Jaquan Brisker is backtracking in the media or or players are saying this, like, I'm going to rub it in a little bit because you guys did this to yourself. It's also, it's a new regime change, kind of on both sides, right? Like, I know that Fields played for them already, but it's no Aaron Aaron Rodgers. It's, like, almost 0-0 now with our new quarterback. And now, in this new era of Packers-Bears rivalry, the Packers are still kicking your butt. So, just feels good. It it felt very good. I loved that Aaron Jones, it felt like a, it, it seems like a small thing, but it's not. When Aaron Jones got that bite in his hamstring and goes to the bench and things start tightening up a little bit in the third quarter. It's like, oh, maybe the Bears, they got something in them. Maybe they can go on a run, and and maybe the victory laps that we took over Jordan Love, maybe they were a little bit premature. And then they panned over to the sideline, and Aaron Jones is is getting work from a trainer, and he smiles and he gives the thumbs up. And I don't know why that felt so significant, but as we said, the last couple of years, week one had been such a funeral each and every year, and, and the vibes are just dead and that moment from Aaron Jones on camera just signified something was was a little different about this team. And then, not saying that he motivated his team to go score a bunch of touchdowns, but it was kind of over from that moment. That jumped out to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Packers the last few years have been known to kind of get punched and then not be able to recover. And I just don't know if I get that vibe from this unit. Um I don't know if I can pinpoint it necessarily to one specific thing, but it's just a feeling of like lightness and camaraderie in the locker room of kind of like, maybe we are going to the season a little bit of an underdog and like, fine, underestimate us. Like we believe in us and we'll show you. And I think that's a really energy to have. And, and it kind of sounds like that we're saying without saying that it's a good thing that Rodgers is gone and, and all of these, like these vibes and, and these different changes are because Rodgers gone. That's not what I'm saying. I, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers was this dark cloud that, that kept the Packers like depressed in week one. That's not what I'm saying. It's just when you have a 40 year old quarterback and this and the expectations are crushing, you know, you kind of reset the age of the team. It's it feels like you're kind of starting a new. That's not the fault of Aaron Rodgers. That's just the reality of of the transition that the Packers went through this offseason. Right. A hundred percent. And I think you say it right with the crushing expectations. I mean, imagine coming in as a rookie wide receiver trying to get on the same page with this like hall of fame. Like you grew up watching him like level guy and everyone in that room knows 
all he wants to do is win that second ring. And it's just win the ring, win the ring, win the ring, get back to the big dance. And they've been losing in the championship game for you. It just, it's so much. It amounts to so much. And I think this season, they just get to be like, this is, we get to decide who we are now. Yeah. It's not really defined by one other player. And I think it's totally valid that it was defined by one other player because it was Aaron freaking Rodgers. And like, that's just what you get when he's on your team. Well, look at it this way. So the Giants, you're in New York. The Giants drafted Jalen Hyatt. I don't know if it was in the third round or the second, third, fourth round, somewhere in there, right? No one's talking about, like Dan Patrick or Colin Cowherd, they're not leading their shows talking about Jalen Hyatt. But Romeo Dallas gets drafted in the fourth round, and because he is in a position now to have to step up and play with Aaron Rodgers, we're talking about Romeo Dobbs nationally for some reason. Like, it's that pressure cooker of an environment that I think just, it made things really tough last year, and it seems like that pressure has kind of been released, at least through week one. We're drawing some grand conclusions about week one, but honestly, we have one game. I'll draw all the conclusions I want, because I'm, I'm happy. We're 1-0. I mean, come on. This is overreaction week. This, this is what you That's do true. after week one. That's true. What did you talk about with Maggie on your podcast this week? Specific position groups, specific plays, like well, what were the X's and O's or the position groups that you guys saw on Sunday and, and you've focused on and talked about this week? Looking back on our on week on the win and what we like think, yeah, I mean, this is this is a unit that I think takes all. Um, it's not necessarily I there isn't like one position group that I am necessarily looking at being like that. But yeah. if I had to I think we definitely gave our lines their flowers, right? D-line and O-line deserve the credit because you can't watch that Bears game and not think, okay, Packers dominated on both sides of the ball in the trenches. And that's just like not, I mean, O-line Packers historically have always had a very, very stout O-line and they're Mm going to continue to this season. But D-line has been one that has been a little bit of their Achilles heel the last few years. And so it was really, really fun to see not just like, one stud guy and if he goes down they're screwed but like a whole rotation of players come in and make a big impact um you have kenny clark doing kenny clark things you have Devonte wyatt who looked exactly the way we'd want him to look in year two you got tj slayton in the run game you got all your edge rushers getting in there i mean come on you get rashawn gary in and he plays 12 snaps and 50 percent of them are pressures it's makes an impact like, yeah that front um could be a difference maker this year. So if I was going to choose one, that's probably the one that stands out to me. I want to come back to the defensive line here in a sec, but you mentioned Devontae Wyatt, and it it made me think of something that I wanted to bring up to you. This is what I said on Monday when I started my show. Like This was my my big takeaway from Sunday's game is that for the first time that I can remember, we came into week one with all of the, like, the, the hopefulness of training camp where you're thinking if Devontae Wyatt can take a step and if Anders Carlson can his case, like all the things that you hope for during camp that almost certainly come crashing down in, in week one, like all those things happened. And it, it may just be for one week, but like all our, our wish list during camp when you talk yourself into all of these guys and then you get to week one, and you're like, oh no, they, Montreus Adams is not, like he's not going to be that guy. <laughs> we got to week one and all of the things happened. And I don't know if that's going to hold up, but that makes for such a satisfying experience. And it did on Sunday afternoon. It was so funny. That's, that's so true. It's so true. And it was across the board, right? You want to see that jump from Quay. Then he gets the pick six on Justin Fields. Andre Carlson makes the 52-yarder. You know, Jaden Reed's out there, you know, making plays with his speed. Luke Musgrave's out there. I mean, not even knowing how to control his speed. He's he so fast. He doesn't even know what like, he's doing. <laughs> 
he is just he, he is so athletic i actually don't think his body has like quite caught up to its own abilities which is wild um and we haven't even talked about jordan love right now i mean mm-hmm. totally i mean again like you want to knock it too high on someone during camp but you're seeing him every day get a little better, get a little better. Reports coming out. He's looking good. You think he looks really nice in some of his series in the preseason. But before week one, my thought process was he has not played four quarters of football besides this the Chiefs game that we're going to just kind of throw away. Um, can you sustain what he's been doing in the preseason across four quarters of football? And evidently, according to week one, he can, which is awesome. So he's at the bar for himself, I think, in this week. I told this to Andy about an hour ago when we talked to Andy Herman. By the way, it was, was hyping up your appearance and Mike Clemens because when I brought him on, I was like, yeah, Perry coming up, Mike later. He's like, why do you need me today? Like, those two guys covered. I'm like, well, you, you might be correct, but I'm, I'm selfish. I want to talk to as many Packers people today as, as possible. But we were talking a little bit about Jordan Love. I said, Andy, a lot of people downplaying what Jordan Love did this week. He didn't do anything amazing, just kind of ran the offense. But I tell you what, I... I was rewatching highlights last night because it had been a couple of days. You know, I always watch the highlights like two or three if the Packers win. I watch them a couple times on Sunday, and then it gets to the point where I've like seen it, and, and then I come back towards the end of the week and watch them again. Those touchdown throws to Dobbs, they were, I don't know, they were like 80-yard bombs right in the breadbasket, but they were kind of nice. Off-platform, zipped its sidearm, and then the fade ball, like, I don't know. There's some pretty nice. I will say, I I think, look, he he was not perfect. He had a really nice first game. I think, again, exceeded my expectations for what I expected him to do. I really thought, and maybe I did not give him enough credit. Like, I really thought that Matt LaFleur was going to go in there and kind of call some, like, easier shots for him to start off the game, get some underneath stuff, some slants. They did all that, right? Lean on the run game, all that. Just, like, make his start a little bit easier. But he threw all types of stuff on, on Sunday, right? Like, the second touchdown to Dobbs is a goal line fade, which, like, I know people have their opinions about goal line fades, but, like, not an easy ball to throw and uh, equally as great of a catch. Well, like when it Dobbs works, fade. it's fine. That's my stance on a yeah. goal line fade. When, it's, when it works, it's <laughs> but, just you know, fine. Like, it, it was not just, like, these simple, you know, kind of, like, underneath routes out there. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's a good sign to see that he has a, a much more, like, versatile, you know, Versatile tricks in the bag. Yeah, a lot of different throws that he can make. And I was talking with Andy again, where he spent three years studying. He he knows all the course material. Like, you know, when you have a summer class and they're like, read these three chapters by September 1st and you need to come in with that base understanding. He has that base understanding. So now all he has to do is work on the little things. Like, oh, this ball needs to be a foot closer to the sideline. I need to zip this ball a little bit more instead of arcing it. Whereas Justin Fields, and I don't mean, again, to take shots at the Bears, but you might have seen some of those breakdowns from JT O'Sullivan or whatever. We're looking at some of these plays, like, I don't even know what they're doing. Like, Justin Fields doesn't know the course material. Or maybe with Kenny Pickett or some of these other quarterbacks, you need to know the course material first, and that's what the three years gets Jordan Love. Yeah. I mean, even looking at our, you know, next opponent, Desmond Ritter, he threw 18 passes in this game. So it shows you how much the Falcons trust him with the ball or like the way they just want to run their offense is not going to be based on Desmond Ritter lighting us up through the passing game. It's obviously going to be leaning on the run game. And I think the Packers have a really unique situation where we have both. I think they can really lean on and uh, Jordan Love to throw the ball through the air. You saw it in like the two minute drill. They're not really leaning on the run game, but then if you need to, like you have an Aaron Jones and, you know, maybe an AJ Dillon, 
um, if you want to talk about that. Do we need to uh, talk about AJ Dillon? No, I want to give him a few more weeks to, to show fair. me he's that's Perry Goldstein, Pax What She Said podcast. I got to cut it short by a minute or two. I talked to her earlier this afternoon. We did talk about the Rodgers injury, what the vibe is like in New York, where she hails the Jets, the Giants, miserable week one. So if you want to hear the final couple minutes, I'll make sure that that's tacked on in the podcast. So that'll be a part of uh, the pod if you want to listen to it back. I know the podcast crowd. Uh, so that the full interview will be in there. Let's take a quick break. Come back. Wrap up hour number one of the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show got a minute or two here before we break at five o'clock get an update from zach heilprin mike clemens gonna join us uh, quarter after five 20 after five somewhere around there so time to get your calls in talk a little packers falcons i'll give you my thoughts on some of the matchups maybe some strategy that matt lafleur has to employ christian watson is questionable aaron jones questionable aaron jones didn't practice today and based on texts that i exchanged with mike earlier it doesn't seem like aaron jones is gonna play Christian Watson maybe a little bit more more likely. Excuse me. Got the hiccups. So we'll have to see what Matt LaFleur cooks up if Aaron Jones doesn't play. Both in the passing game and the run game, because Aaron Jones does a lot of work in the receiving game. I'm not going to say that he's their second or third you know, most important receiver, but he plays a pretty important part in the receiving game as well. So if the Packers are without Aaron Jones, all right, that changes the receiving game a little bit. But the rushing game, how do you then set up A.J. Dillon to succeed, if that's even possible. His last week was pretty disappointing. And does that mean Emmanuel Wilson is called up? Does that mean he's active this weekend for the game? Fordham State? Fordham Fordham State? What was the school again? Michael, remember. I guarantee Michael will get us in the loop. I would bet you dollars to donuts Mike's going to bring that up. So we'll let Mike handle that. He loves talking about the small school guys, the long shot guys, undrafted free agents, etc., Etc. So Mike's going to join us in a little bit. Let's talk Packers Falcons coming up next. 608-321-1670. I'll give you my thoughts on this game, and I'd love to hear yours as well. You can tweet me too, at Wisco Grant, hour two of the Wisco Sports Show. Last hour of the week coming up next after this update from Zach. Stick around. played a complete game four quarters it was far from perfect and there's a lot of clean up but i thought our guys played hard they played physical and that's exactly what we've been talking about all, all season this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air now here's your host grant bills minutes before mike clemens jumps in here if you want to call talk packers falcons if you want to react to what happened last night vikings eagles vikings are 0-2 0-2 is not a death sentence it's pretty close to one though it's like 75 years in prison for someone who's very young it's not a death sentence but it's it's 
it pretty much is. The Bengals have been the only team in the last couple of years to start 0-2 and go on to make the playoffs. That was last year. I, I just, some of these teams, and the, the Bengals are an example, the Packers the last couple of years. I don't know what it is. Certain teams, maybe it's a coach thing, a quarterback thing, they just have a disposition for starting slow and saying, we're all good, relax, we'll get it on track, and then often the teams do. It's just very bizarre. Like the Packers in... 2021 just getting shelled by the saints and then that year they go on to be the one seed now they lost in the division round of the niners but they turned around their regular season okay and the bengals seem to be the the new version of that just getting blown out in week one saying nope it's all good and that happened to the bengals last year too they lost week two they started 0-2 and then they come back to make the playoffs and almost make the super bowl they were right there with the chiefs in the afc championship game last year i'm glad that the packers did not get off to that type of start I'm glad that they kind of woke up on Sunday ready to go. And right from the opening kick, I'm watching at home thinking, oh, so this week one's going to be a little different. Hell yeah, the juice is there. The energy is there. We're hitting hard, flying around. And if the Packers would have lost but had the correct energy, I at least would have felt a little bit better compared to the last few years. But he went down to Chicago and found a win, a little bit like finding 100 bucks in your winter jacket pocket after it had been put away all year. It's like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is gone. We're still winning. Hell yeah. So hopefully the Packers can take some of that energy into Atlanta Come Sunday, they might not have Aaron Jones, might not have Christian Watson. That means A.J. Dillon, I don't know. We got to figure out something. We got to figure out a way to make A.J. Dillon useful. We got to make find a way to actually get him involved and, and make him a productive member of this offense. And maybe that changes alignments or formations or packages. I don't know. But we got to do something because last week that was, uh, that was not going to cut it if Aaron Jones doesn't play this weekend down in Atlanta. 608-321-1670. Let's take some calls. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, Grant. Clem Head Mike here. Clem Head Mike. It's a privilege to hear from you twice in one day, Mike. What's going on? Privilege, privilege to talk to you. I'm uh, really happy about all the support you're getting from uh, Triple Valley. I mean, you had two mics from Eau Claire call today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, shoot. I can't remember the name of the other guy, the guy that hangs out the wigwam. Um, Uncle Packer. No, yeah, him too. To Marcus in Eau Claire, he gave yeah. us a little ring. To Marcus, I think yeah. he was drinking at the Wigwam. Speaking of names out the yeah. Wigwam, I think that's where he got recognized in downtown Eau Claire over by Phoenix Park, right? Yeah. Yep. He sounded pretty happy. Um, I, he was drinking during the day with friends, it yeah. sounded. I'd be thrilled. Oh, my God. I'd, I would leave work right now if I got to go drink with friends. I mean, I'd wait for the show to be done, but you get my point. That, that is a little day drinking can be fun at times. I know our, our company used to go up to this uh, resort every year, upper north of Tomahawk, I think it's Monaco or something. Oh. We would uh, drive, we'd, we'd, we'd meet at the, at the office at 5.30 and we'd start driving. We would start drinking at 5.30 in the morning. I tell you, there's nothing worse than a 2 p.m. hangover. Man, it's just so- why would you start at 5.30 in the morning? That's just, why? It's tradition. It's tradition. Oh, okay. Well, then say less. I'd be there with you. If it's tradition, I didn't know it was tradition. Then that changes things completely. Yeah. I, I agree. And they don't. They'd all play golf up there and try to sweat it out. And then we start drinking that night, too. So, um, yeah, I, I just had a slight, very slight disagreement with you. I remember yesterday yeah. you were talking about the great Packers defensive lines. Um, you were talking about, like, 2014 and 2010. Those are the two that come to mind, yeah. Well, I'm much older than you, so I bring up the 1996 Packers when um, Santana Dotson said that he was is the fourth best uh, defense alignment on your team. You got a yeah. pretty darn good defense line. There's the Grave Digger and Sean Jones and Reggie White. Very minor disagreement, but yeah. If I, I, I could speak personally, the 1996 uh, defensive line, I would. I just I wasn't around, and there haven't been a lot of great defensive lines in my lifetime. It's not something we've been known no. for, so to speak. No. Mike. 
not at all. No, the Packers had overwhelming defense that year. So that was just a just a minor little thing. But I am looking forward to the game Sunday. Tomorrow my wife's dragging me to a to a winery out in the country. Um Ooh. Yeah, her, her she ran into a few weeks ago we went to her high school reunion. She ran into a whole bunch of friends she hasn't seen in ages. And um actually a couple of them stood up for her wedding, but uh forty five years ago um she was she graduated. It's funny because we were married before her class graduated because she graduated um semester to get married. Gotcha. And uh, we didn't have to, even though she's from Chippewa, we didn't didn't even have to get married. <laughs> hey, so you uh, you're going to a winery with a bunch of your wife's friends tomorrow? That sounds that sounds fun. That sounds like a great time. Mike. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're gonna leave and go to her sister in law's house and I I got a choice now. I can watch the because she has cable, I can watch the Brewers or I can watch the NASCAR race. So I'm kind of torn. Ooh. I might be doing some channel flipping. Um, yeah, because NASCAR is my favorite driver right now. It's the top 12 go to the next round, and Martin Choice Jr. is in 13th place right now because he wrecked out really early last week. So. He's on the bubble. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Hey, you know your lingo. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. on the bubble. I can, I can figure correct. I know Martin Truex Jr. Yeah, have your hand on the remote, hand on the horn. You can flip back and forth. Say take advantage yep. of that cable. You're going to earn that if you're going to a winery with your wife and a bunch of her friends and then going to the in-laws. That's, that's, that's a busy day it, for you. I'm sacrificing for her, okay? I don't really want to go to either of us. <laughs> a winery. It should be a beautiful fall day. That should be nice. I, I don't know. I don't need to go to a winery. I'll just go outside for a walk. I don't. I don't need to go somewhere scenic. I'll just go out and enjoy the, the fresh fall breeze. No winery for me, but I don't know what I'm going to end up doing tomorrow. But I can guarantee it's not watching college football, which is fine because tomorrow's slate stinks. It's probably a good Saturday to just take the Saturday off. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a casual. I remember telling you this in the past. I'm a casual college football fan. So, but Sunday, I'm right with you. I got a, my motorized recliner and my uh, man cave. And um, I'll be watching on my big TV and listening to it in surround sound. But uh, I, I, I know another thing I wanted to be. I think it was might have been Eric on I ninety because he's mm-hmm. a Vikings fan. Um, he was talking about all oh, how glitchy the broadcast was on on uh, yeah. Prime last night. Well, my TV, you know, I got a, in the living room. I got a Samsung smart TV, and I it was just kind of glitchy. I went down to the man cave and I got a a Roku, you know, a Roku stick on there, mm-hmm. and it worked great. And uh, I think that's a, that's a difference. I think those things, I, it just seems to work a lot better than a rec, just a plain old smart TV. You need um, the you need the addition. You need to run it through a Roku or through a Fire Stick or something. I've had that experience as well. I think my par- I think my parents went through that where their smart TV was lagging. It's like this sucks. And then yep. they got the external stick and you run it through like HDMI one or two or whatever. Right. I can pass that along, Derek on i ninety. He's notoriously uh, technical. He's very techy. I'm making fun of him a little bit, but he is an engineer, so he'd probably speak to this, but I feel a little oh, bit bad for yeah. him and his Vikings last night. Just yeah, I, I know I did too. I got so at the uh to get together the get together at my sister in law's house tomorrow, there's gonna be some Vikings fans there that come over from Minnesota and I razz them a bit and uh I always tell him congrats on your nineteen seventy six championship and I, I wrote that in whenever I can. I got in a little ta- uh, little tussle with some uh, Vikings fans. My my uh, grandniece was in the University of Minnesota marching band for four years, and we used to have to go over there every year for her indoor uh, concert. And he used to make fun of Badgers over there all the time. It was, it was kind of hard to handle. But we were at a restaurant before the concert, and there were some Vikings fans there laughing about where their linebacker bar broke Aaron Rodgers' collarbone, and they were laughing about it. I said, well, congratulations on your 1976 NFC championship. And they were pretty young guys. I said, what? That's the last time? 
that we won this. Yeah, yeah, fuck on that. <laughs> Birds. <laughs> well, don't fight anyone at the winery tomorrow, Mike. I'm going to let you go. Godspeed yeah. to you tomorrow in uh, in all of your husband tasks, yeah. and I'm sure we'll talk yeah. football next week. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week about the when my my granddaughter's uh, birthday party where I had to kick a whole bunch of homeless guys out of the out of the um, yeah. pavilion. So we'll hey, talk about that save, later. Save that story for a rainy day. I appreciate you, yep. Mike. Okay, you too. I can picture Mike throwing a bunch of homeless folks out of a pavilion. Uh, Let's all keep Mike in our thoughts tomorrow as he goes to a winery when there's college football on. The slate isn't good tomorrow. I guess Colorado State, Colorado, there's some juice there. Dion giving it some juice by saying, you know, they made it personal. Sunglasses and hat, that comment was a choice uh, leading into a week where you're playing Colorado, which is America's favorite team right now. 608-321-1670. One more call and then we'll take a break. Wisco Sports Show, who's this? Yeah, you got Darnell. Darnell in Madison. Daniel, you were the one guy I haven't heard from the last couple of days, so I'm, I'm glad to hear from you here. Yeah, of course. I was just calling in to, you know, make sure that uh, the Brewers aren't forgotten here. Good. And Good man. Mostly mostly because they are refusing to be forgotten. Um, I want to keep moving into, like, football season and throwing myself, like, 100% at the Packers and Badgers, and I can't. Because the Brewers keep doing stuff every single night that make me keep watching and make me keep tuning in, and I don't, I don't know if they're like they're heading for yet another big heartbreak, but uh, I, I don't know. I'm getting pretty invested. <laughs> well, Starting to feel we... real. Yelich and Canner are back in the lineup tonight. That that's a big deal. I saw that, and I'm. It, it makes me happy that especially Canna's little wrist thing which i apparently is like a career thing for him he's had wrist injuries for like the last three years so i'm glad that's only a two-game thing as opposed to like a three-week thing yeah or but. a 10-day il stint it's nice that yell shouldn't have to go on a on a 10-day but i mean he was out for what seven days six days he almost might as well have gone out but one series three games that can make a world of difference in the final month of the season absolutely especially when you're playing these teams that like you know let's be real uh, the Brewers have struggled at times against teams that are inferior, right? Um, for whatever reason, they lose to the Pirates or they lose to the Nationals or they lose to, oh, you know, tonight to play the Nationals. But, like, the, they'll lose to random teams that you're like, why? Yes. What, what happened? Here? So that, that they need their, their big stars to show up now in these games that matter. I'm excited. I want Yelich to get hot again. He cooled off in the month of August. He hasn't really found it again. I would love for a two-week stretch for Yelich to just light it up. I mean, I'd say hit some home runs, but that seems like it might be a little bit too much to ask, so I'll keep it reasonable. I think we might have lost Darnell. I thought I heard his phone click. Have a great weekend, Darnell. Appreciate you. And I'm glad that you gave the Brewers some shine in what is a Packer-dominated, a football-dominated Friday version of the Wisco Sports Show. 608 Three two one sixteen seventy. You can hit me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. We got to get to our guy Mike Clemens coming up here in just a few minutes. The Packers injury report had Aaron Jones and Christian Watson questionable. Rashawn Gary, I got a text from Mike earlier about how Rashawn Gary was crying at practice today, and I was like, ah, it's not good. I guess he's just an emotional guy, and he just broke down emotionally today after practicing fully for the first time since coming back from his ACL, which was pretty cool. That's cool. This team's got it going on. This team's got good vibes. I'm telling you, they got good vibes. 
I don't know if that's going to translate to a win this weekend, but it's translating to me getting very excited to watch them any chance I can. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Let's take a three-minute break. Come back with our guy, Mike Clemens, next on the Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Jones slicing through, diving across the 25. Jones got the first down, gets it again. Good cut up the middle. Aaron Jones, speedy through the hole. One-man rush, love. Has Jones inside. Aaron Jones, racing to the end zone, and he's in. Touchdown, Green Bay. Feeling good, you know. Before uh, just kind of pulled me, it was like, we were up, wanted to play it safe. Uh, so we'll see tomorrow what they say, And but I feel good. I've pulled my hamstring before, it doesn't feel like like the same. So. I think we all breathed a sigh of relief when he said, no, I pulled it before. This wasn't that. Breathed another sigh of relief when we saw Jaden Reed come out, because that did not look good. Just a cramp. And who hasn't been dramatic? Lay on the ground for a sec when they're getting a real bad cramp. Uh, Mike Clemens is here. He's brought to us by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, and just a mile from Lambeau. It's perfect for a family if you're taking everybody to the game. And the Bay Family Restaurant features homestyle cooking seven days a week, so not just on Sundays during game day. The Bay Motel, 1301 South Military Avenue in Green Bay. You can call them, 920-494-3441. Make a reservation or just learn more online, and the phone number's online as well, baymotelgreenbay.com. Mike Clemens is here. Mike, we were all relieved when Aaron Jones didn't really mess up his leg. We're hoping it was just a bite, like he said, and hopefully he's back on the field before too long, even if that means he's not available this Sunday. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be available either because we just came out of the Hudson Center and oh, couldn't see him. I, I couldn't yeah. find him out there during the warm-ups and stuff. Uh, Christian Watson is kind of walking around. Maybe, maybe he gets listed as uh, limited today. I don't know. But, I, you know, I don't think Aaron Jones, even though he said it was just a bite, um, as he, you heard in that clip there, LaFleur told him right away on the sidelines at the game, you know, you're done. If you think you've got a hamstring, then, you know, I need you for the next several months, not just next weekend in Atlanta. So what do they do then? It'll be A.J. Dillon. And, you know, last week they activated Patrick Taylor, uh, number 27, who's been around the team now a couple of years, yeah. brought him up from the practice squad. You can do that three times during the course of a season. They really love him on special teams. He actually carried the ball five times when Sean Clifford was out there at the end of the game in the fourth quarter against the Bears. And he was, I think he got 24 yards off of five carries. Uh, but would they, would they elevate Emmanuel Wilson? Now, he was inactive. He's on the roster. But, you know, remember 30, number 31 during training camp? Oh, yeah. You know, the, here's the kid that comes out of Fort Valley State, which is south of Atlanta, and, you know, undrafted, gets picked up by the Packers in May, wins a job. Uh, Tyler Goodson, by the way, I saw him get signed by the Colts after an injury settlement for his, I think it was a shoulder injury that shut him down during training camp. So just before they kicked us out of the locker room yesterday, they're out, still out there practicing right now. I saw him, uh, Emmanuel, at his locker, and I went up to him and said, hey, you know, gee, you know, you went to college in Georgia. How, how crazy cool would it be that your first NFL game, the first time you're active, you'd be playing in the Mercedes-Benz Dome against the Falcons? 
Uh, it'd be very cool. Uh, my son's out there. Uh, and then I got, like, a lot of, like, teammates coming from school. So that's like I went 30 minutes away from Atlanta. So uh, it would be very cool. Were you ever able to see a game there as a kid or anything like that? Uh, no, sir. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. So the only game I've been to was the Panthers game. That was back in, like, 2015, 16. That's the only NFL game I've been to. How far is Fort Valley State from downtown? Uh, like, yeah, yes, sir. I went 30 minutes, yes, sir. Not far away from George. It is pretty cool that potentially his first NFL game could be basically right down the highway from when he went to college. I feel like they'll keep three running backs active, Mike. And if that means that Aaron Jones isn't going, then Emmanuel Wilson's probably active on Sunday. I like. I, I don't. I don't want to speak out of turn. I don't want to, you know, wildly speculate. But I would imagine that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. Because I, again, right now doesn't look like Aaron Jones is going to play. Um, the Packers overall, they're in in rushing, had 92 yards last weekend against the Chicago Bears, and so we talked to the center Josh Myers. Sometimes they blame it on him not doing a good job in terms of the runs up the middle. Um, we asked him, does he think that the offense could have done a better job running the ball last weekend in Chicago? Um, yeah, I think I think the Bears defensive front did a nice job uh, against the run. And- yeah, I mean, I would love to have gotten, you know, 150, 200 rushing yards, of course. I mean, I think just continuing to press our aiming points is something we always harp on pretty big. And just continuing to, to work and kind of find what our thing is going to be this year in the run game. My takeaway from the second half after Aaron Jones got hurt, Mike, was that that was the perfect scenario for A.J. Dillon to come in and help the Packers Pound the ball, move the sticks, run the clock out. And they couldn't do it. And no one thinks that Bears defensive front is anything special. So if A.J. Dillon and this O-line can't get it done in that situation, I, I'm i starting to wonder what A.J. Dillon can do for this team. What does he provide? And, and maybe this weekend's game looks different. He's the number one running back and they plan for it. But I was really disappointed with how the running game and specifically A.J. Dillon looked in the second half last week. So Aaron Jones has nine carries, mostly off tackle, 41 yards. Um, you know, he broke one for nine yards in the rushing, and of course he had the you know the big pickup on the um, uh, on the on the pass reception, the touchdown that he had. Also scored in the red zone too. AJ Dillon, the leader last week, Quadzilla, thirteen carries, total of nineteen yards. Yeah, His average was one point five. Now, one of the things I talked to Josh Myers about was this, because you know Aaron Rodgers is no longer there. So when you've got young Jordan Love, out, Jordan Love out there and he sees something like, okay, I could use some help. I could use almost a timeout to go talk to Matt LaFleur about that. And I asked Love, you know, so do you talk to Matt or do you wait till you get to the sidelines and Tom Clements, your quarterback coach, goes, you know, over that tablet to see things? Or And, and Love said, you know, half the time we get to the sidelines, the coaches already know what the problem is from upstairs and whatever. And I said the same thing to Josh Myers. You know, and I thought this was interesting because I was asking about pass protection, and he said, no, we actually have to work on the running game when we're in game. And I said, do you talk about this to Jordan Love during a game if the, if the Bears or the Falcons are showing you something different on the defensive line? Uh, if I need to, yeah, yeah. A lot of the times I feel like that's a more prominent thing in the run game than it is the pass. That would be one of those situations, you know, if it was like a big pass thing or some blitz that we need to talk about, then I'm sure, you know, yeah, 
you know, Matt and Jordan and everybody will be involved in that conversation. I'm thinking it's week two, and you guys are going to line up, and they've got 87 double team. They're just going to take out Doves all day. Jordan Love sees that, but maybe he hasn't got a, a play he can check into necessarily, and he's got to try and fix that. But I just asked Jordan that. He says, no, the coaches, they've got answers for you when you get to the sidelines. Is oh, usually yeah. the case? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they've, they've always got answers, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, always, they always have something we can go to, yeah. Mike, he mentioned the difference between the pass game and the running game and how it impacts how they make you know adjustments and how they scheme up front on the offensive line. Is it possible that this offensive line has been drafted and developed and built and coached in such a way that prioritizes pass blocking to such a degree that maybe run blocking gets left by the wayside a little bit? And in week one, priority is protect Jordan Love and to run that early script. And then when they got to the second half and it was time to really knuckle down and blast the ball with A.J. Dillon, maybe they just weren't quite ready for that in week one, and maybe that's something that they'll work on and and get better at. It seemed like toward the end, Ted and Mike McCarthy were always trying to get guys to run the zone blocking scheme, which means, you know, fast guys. And Bakhtiari-type guys, good footwork guys like that. But they, they keep on like, you know, Goody likes bigger guys, right? But uh, still, you know, speed is, is going to be important. Um, I thought this was interesting. Well, first of all, we talked to A.J. Dillon because this weekend he's going to face a Falcons defense with some veterans like Bud Dupree, the Titans linebacker, a former first-round pick. He signs with Atlanta in free agency. And Calais Campbell, big dude, defensive end for the Ravens. Now, he's old. He's like 37 years old, but experienced. Mm -hmm. And so I asked A.J. Dillon, you know, what do you see about facing that kind of a better Falcons defensive line? Obviously, they got a lot of veteran players, a lot of guys who have played a lot of ball over there, you know, looking back, understanding their defense. But, uh, you know, you've got a couple guys who have been around the league a long time, no ball. And um, when you're going up against a a team that, you know, plays aggressive, plays downhill, uh, you know, you just got to, you know, make sure you're on top of, you know, your assignments and things like that. Do you think it was an assignment issue for A.J. Dillon in that O-line in the second half last week, an assignment issue, execution issue, or were they just getting overpowered? Yeah, you know, because as I looked at it, I, I just thought that the Bears were playing their gaps properly. Yep. You know, Eberflus is a defensive coach, pretty good game plan. But LaFleur said, don't just blame it on Josh Myers, the center, or the offensive line guys is why the run game was not as consistent as they wanted to be. You always got to have everybody on the same page. You got to make sure you're targeted. You got to make sure that it's not just always the offensive linemen. A lot of times it could be the wideouts or tight ends making sure they're going to their specific people. And there were too many times where we didn't have all 11 on the same page. So I don't disagree with that. I understand it takes everybody, but. You know, and A.J. Dillon gets the ball on a screen play, and he's got three offensive linemen in front of him blocking perfectly, and the play nets you five or six yards. I don't know that that's on a wide receiver or a tight end, but completely understand where Matt LaFleur is coming from, and a very head coach-esque answer, totally. Yeah, but that's a good example, though. I, re- I remember that play. Yeah. In the meantime, Jordan Love says... Yeah, we need to improve the run game this week in Atlanta for sure. I mean, I think that's always a, a goal for us is to run the ball well um, because it sets up so many different things in the play-action pass game. Um, you know, I, I think it just helps out the pass game in general um, when a defense got to be worried about the run. So uh, it's something that we strive to, to be great at every week. Um, something we'll do this week. It's just massive, Mike, when the Packers get in third and three or third and four to have running plays available to them and to have the playbook open and to trust that either Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon 
can get you three yards when you need three yards. That's such a massive advantage to Jordan Love and a lot of the, the younger players on this offense. You want to avoid obvious passing situations. Uh, that'll go a long way. We're going to take a break, come back, hear a little bit more from Mike, what he's seeing in Green Bay, continue to preview this Falcons game coming up on Sunday at noon. Mike, appreciate you. We're going to be back in five minutes on the Wisco Sports. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Protection breaks down and time runs out. Down goes Rodgers in the sack for Leonard Floyd. The former first-round pick of the Bears, and now Rodgers sits down. Loss of 10 on the play, and hopefully the Jets are thinking that's the only loss on that play. Now, what was your, your reaction to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, I feel for him and uh, never want to see anybody go through that. Uh, I think anytime you have a player of his caliber not playing the game of football, it's bad for our game. I know I've got so much respect for him. I've said it a million times, just how tough he is, the competitor he is. And I knew when, when he went down, back down the ground, it had to have been something serious because I've seen him play through so much. Aaron Rodgers' injury, what it means for the Jets and the Packers and what it means for football. Mike Clemens is here. He covered Aaron Rodgers for a long time, now covering the Packers in Green Bay. And Jordan Love, thanks to our friends at the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Comfortable, quiet, cozy, just a mile from Lambeau Field, but a little off the beaten path, so you can get out of the hubbub after the game just a little bit. Perfect for families, and the Bay Family Restaurant features home-style cooking seven days a week. So if you're not there on game day, you're there for something else, don't worry, you'll still get the same treatment you would on a Sunday. The Bay Motel, 1301 South Military Avenue in Green Bay. Go online to register and reserve uh, a room for your stay. BayMotelGreenBay.com. Mike Clemens is here. Mike, I'm sure you've had a chance to talk with lots of players and coaches this week about what happens to Aaron Rodgers. People forget what team they're on real quickly, and the football community is very close no matter who plays for who when something like that happens. No, it's your livelihood and also the, the what you put in for four or five months on your own time to get ready for another football season. The off-season surgeries that you had uh, to get repaired. Brady Popinga once told me, you know, everybody gets something fixed, a shoulder, a wrist, stuff that you just played through for the rest of the season. You get used to it year after year. And there was something that Mark Murphy said. Do you remember when he did that interview during the girls' basketball tournament where – you know, he's taught, it was like in March, and, you know, he was pretty much uh, alerting people that there was probably a trade in the works and they were ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And he talked about, don't forget, this guy's 39 years old. Yeah. And, and you know, did you see, have you seen the series produced by Peyton Manning called Quarterback? Yeah. It's on Netflix. Yeah. There's one episode there where they, they, they followed Patrick Mahomes and his family, Kirk Cousins, what his life is like and Marcus Mariota, but it wasn't just about, you know, the families and stuff. It was about the nuts and bolts, and we got to see some of the things that they, these players don't show you, what life is really like in the training room, in the cold tub, in the hot tub, and the things you have to do off-season, in-season. You know, yesterday you can see players in the Packers locker room, and they've got all those suction cups marks on their back. Yeah. The, the things they use to draw the blood when there's an area of pain that the therapists will use and so i put this little montage together and this is mark murphy during that interview in march jordan love and center josh myers reminding you you know what there's a lot of stuff 
that Aaron Rodgers has had, besides the collarbones you know of and the knee injury and stuff like that, that he played through that you'll never know about. Here's a montage. You know, I think it's, you know, trying to find, uh, you know, what what he wants and what we want, and uh, hopefully we can find a win-win situation. Is retirement still an option for him? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. You know, he's you know, uh, got a lot of years, a lot of wear and tear, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot to go through getting ready for a season and a season, but uh, he's a competitor, too, and I know he, he wants to keep playing if, uh, you know, all things considered. If he requests a trade, will you honor it? Um, yeah, oh, yeah, we would, yeah. Sucks for that to happen to him in the first series. And, you know, I feel for him. You know, I, I know he's going to bounce back, and, and he'll do his thing in recovery and uh, come back stronger. Have you reached out to him? Yeah, I sent him a text, but, you know, I know he's probably going through a lot right now. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's awful. It's awful. I mean, just going through it personally myself, I'd had some injuries but never missed any real time, and my rookie year was um, – I mean, it was mentally probably one of the hardest times of my life going through that injury and sitting out. So, yeah, I'm heartbroken for, for Aaron. That's that's awful. That sucks. You know right away that that was bad. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't, I mean, he never, you know, he, he played through injuries here all the time. Yeah. I figured it was pretty bad right away. My heart absolutely breaks uh, for guys who get hurt. That's a bummer. I forgot about that Mark Murphy interview, Mike. And it's just bizarre at the end where he's like, well, if he requests a trade, will you honor it? And Mark thinks about it for a second and goes, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. That's, that's yeah. such a bizarre yeah. interview. I forgot about that. Well, and, you know, by the way, these days, Mark Murphy, 10 years of safety for the Washington team, using a cane these days. I mean, yeah. we've seen what happened to the Lombardi Packers. You talk to Dorsey Levitz, the running back in the 90s, about playing on turf. He said, just get yourself a helmet, some shoulder plaids, and spread out the furniture in the living room and play on the carpet in the living room. That's what turf feels like yeah. when you're a running back and getting tackled. And last year at Ford Field, eight Packer players left the game. Eric Stokes is still recovering from his foot and knee injury. Romeo Dobbs missed, you know, missed about six weeks. This weekend, you're playing at the beautiful Mercedes Dome, Mercedes-Benz Dome in downtown Atlanta on carpet. And so we asked Rasul Douglas, the defensive back, which would you rather play on, turf or grass? Turf or grass? Yeah, turf. Like playing on? Yeah. Grass for sure. Turf hurt. Sore. Your body be sore for like a whole week after that. Knees be hurting. All type of. And then like your foot placement. If you get caught, anything wrong, the turf it just doesn't give. The grass it gives, so you'll be all right. I don't know who, who does that to rule who has turf and who has grass, but I'm pretty sure if everyone had great grass. Like that Chicago grass we played on last week was amazing. So if everyone had that type of grass, we'd all be good. Roger Goodell said this last week, well, there are players who prefer playing on turf to grass. I just never hear those players, Mike. Like, I never hear I never hear those players speak up and say, actually, I like turf. We should keep turf. I never hear that. No, you don't. So Aaron Rodgers has surgery on Wednesday. He leaves New York. He goes out to L.A. to go with one of the best, Dr. Neil Alantraj. Sam Farmer covers the NFL for the L.A. Times. He said this guy is one of the tops you know, in all sports in terms of surgical repairs for athletes. And I think probably when Aaron learned that this guy did Kobe Bryant's Achilles, that probably sold him. So Aaron has the surgery in L.A., goes across town back to the house in Malibu on the Pacific Ocean and can begin his, you know, rest and recovery there. So uh, in the time, uh, you're playing a Falcons quarterback in Desmond Ritter, who took over for Mariota after he you know, kind of went AWOL last year. And uh, I thought this was interesting. Yesterday he was asked, 
you know, you got to st- play four or five games uh, at, at the end of your rookie season, and now you're the starting quarterback year two. Can you imagine sitting for three years like Jordan Love did? I mean, I can't understand what it's like to, to sit for, you know, three years and, uh, you know, got a couple of snaps. So, no, I can't speak on, on my personal experience for that. I can, like I said, speak on Sim for about 14 games. Um, and, and, you know, before that, played a lot of a lot of snaps. So that's something that I can't speak on to sit for that vast majority of period of time. And, you know, still props to him because he's still coming in every single day as a backup, um, having to, you know, know the exact game plan inside and out. For in his case, you know, if Aaron were to go down or whatever it may have been for him to step up and, you know, make a seamless transition into it. Um, and I know Jordan's done a, a great job of obviously, you know, grabbing control of, of the locker room and leading those guys up there and, and being able to step in once Aaron went to New York and, and kind of, you know, run a seamless offense there. It was funny, Mike. Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, these are all guys that were in Jordan Love's draft class. So in our mind, we're like, oh, yeah, Love's been sitting for three years. He's going to be ready. But we forget that some of his contemporaries have been playing. Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts have both played in a Super Bowl so far. Right, right. Good point. A a lot of experience. And for Ritter, who played at Cincinnati, and his head coach was Luke Fickle, head coach of the the Badgers right now. That's where he got his experience. A third-round pick last year for Atlanta. Now, he's already started five games. And I was looking at his stats. Four games last year, and then he threw only 18 passes. He didn't have to do much to beat the Panthers last weekend. But in five games, zero interceptions. And you look that up, and you realize that's rare. Yeah. As a matter of fact, really rare. Like the last guy whose first five starts in the NFL at quarterback goes back to 1970. Some guy named Dennis Shaw, who's playing for the Buffalo Bills. That's like around the O.J. Simpson era. The only other guy to do that in over 50 years, Dak Prescott, 2016, when he filled in for or took over for Tony Romo. So I asked LaFleur yesterday, so what's head coach Arthur Smith, your old buddy from Tennessee, what's he done to help Derek Desmond Ritter do to have zero picks and the first five starts. First of all, I think he makes great decisions. He doesn't put the ball in jeopardy a bunch. And then, you know, he's got some dudes on the perimeter that he threw one up last week to Pitts, and he goes up and makes a play. So, you know, I think he's accurate. He makes great decisions. I think they do a great job of putting him in some pretty good situations, especially with a lot of their passing game coming off the run game. And I'll add the detail that, that Matt LaFleur left out, Mike. They never throw the ball. Yeah, Arthur Smith doesn't let him throw. (laughs) Well, Darnell Savage would say thank you because I asked Darnell about this. I said, "Did you know that Ritter? He's he's like history. 1970, and Dak Prescott, only quarterbacks to not throw a pick their first five starts." And here's what Darnell Savage told me. Yeah, you know, obviously he's a talented guy. At the same time, we got to be ready to stop their their run game as well, you know, because, you know, that that's such a big threat. And I'm not sliding him in any way or, or anything like that, you know, but, you know, your, your run game is, is – is that big of a threat? Obviously, it makes it a little bit because more people are more so focused on the on the run. Like I said, that's not a slight to him, but um, he's definitely off to a great start. Wish the best for him, except for this week. <laughs> and Malafleur and Darnell Savage tiptoeing and and being very polite to avoid giving any bulletin board material. No slight to Ritter. I know he did, his coach doesn't let him throw the ball despite having a top five pick and a top ten pick at tight end and wide receiver. But no slight to him. But we got to be ready for the running game. No, and you're right, too. And Tyler Algier, running back for the Falcons last week against Carolina, two touchdowns, and then the Spijan Robinson. You know, top pick for them, speedy kid, good vision. 
I just, you know, so that's that's what their focus is, is trying to figure out how to contain that. In the meantime, you just heard from Darnell Savage, who had a good game last week. He had 10, 10 tackles in that game. Um, and so during camp, we talked every day. I, my concerns about how do you replace Adrian Amos, you know, and so you had Rudy Ford, who beat out Jonathan Owens, who they brought up for the Texans, Anthony Johnson, a kid that they drafted. And yesterday I got to ask Ryan Downard, who's the safety coach, to talk about that competition and why they settled on Rudy Ford to go alongside Savage. And so we went into the training camp and I told all those guys, hey, this is what it's going to be. I told them I'm going to communicate with them who's going to be the one for that particular day, who's going to be with the twos, and we're going to give everybody a shot at it. And I know you guys were tracking it, and I'm sure uh, witnessed that everybody had a shot at that, right? And uh, there was opportunity for everybody um, to spur on that competition. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Rudy showed great call command. Obviously, you saw in the game, he's, he plays extremely hard. His play style is exactly what we want. Um, and so um, that, he's had some proven ball production. And so there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that go into those decisions. I feel good about a lot of those guys in the room. But he came out on top. That's who we're going with right now. I'll tell you what, Rudy Ford and Keyshawn Nixon play bigger than their size like blasting Chase Claypool backwards on blocks, on bubble screens and stuff like that. And Darnell Savage, I don't know what it means, but week one, he was really good, Mike. He was everywhere. And if he can keep doing that, this safety position is is still far from their strongest position on the field, but it's not maybe the massive weakness that we were scared that it could be. And remember the people yelling and screaming, why do you let the Bears get Chase Claypool out of Pittsburgh? And why did you add him in Green Bay? And now they're talking about Chase Claypool won't block uh, they may end up benching him, you know, another another free agency mistake for another NFC North team. So. It looks like he doesn't want to be out there. It looks like Ben Simmons in the NBA. He's just I don't Pretty know, much. He's going through the motions. Poor guy. Poor Bears. Mike, we're going to take one final break. We'll come back, wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Mike Clemens is here thanks to the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Baymotel.com to make your reservations for an upcoming game or an upcoming trip. Mike, what a week Vikings fans have had. They probably should have beat the Bucks at home, but they turned the ball over three times. And Vikings oh, and fans are saying, well, if we don't do that again, we'll be fine. And then they go and turn it over four times last night. They're still trying to figure out how they lost to Darius Smith on defense, Delvin Cook to the Jets on offense, three turnovers against Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers last weekend. They lose 20-17 to 17 at home for their opener, and they get embarrassed last night on national TV, and then Kirk Cousins has got to face the media after the game last night. All right, a tough, tough loss. Um, uh, you know, shot ourselves in the foot with the turnovers. Um, similar story now the first two weeks in that in that case. I'm sure that's been said a lot to you guys now post-game, but it, it ought to be, and um, it's difficult to win in this league when you, you know, lose a turnover battle by one, let alone by the margin we've lost it by. So, um, 
uh, you know, we got to fix those mistakes and uh, not let it continue. Um, and then, um, yeah, I guess that's really all I have to say. I know some fumbles are bad luck. Justin Jefferson fumbled out of the end zone, but something, and, and Kevin O'Connell said this last night, at some point it's it's a theme within your team, and it's a focus that you're not focusing on enough when you're fumbling two, three times per game. Yeah, it's tough when you're losing on fundamentals like that. So Vikings 0-2, Bears are 0-1. they got to play the Buccaneers uh, on the road this weekend. Next, they got to go to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs. That's tough. The Lions are off to a great start, man. You know, that big win mm-hmm. that they had, uh, you know, against the Chiefs. Now they get the Seahawks in Detroit. Then they play the Falcons and then the Packers. Packers, they got to look out for Jesse Bates, the safety for the Falcons, who they got in that free agency deal out of Bengals, paid him a boatload, two interceptions, one forced fumble, ten tackles, NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Jordan Love's going to be watching a lot of tape on Jesse Bates, who's on the back end there of the Falcons' defense this weekend. A.J. Terrell, Grady Jarrett, a couple playmakers on that that uh, Falcons' defense. Yeah, big guy, but they should be able to get some pressure on Ritter, right? The Falcons' O-line was not great last week. Yeah, and, and you know what? If you Rashawn Gary can repeat what he did last week, I mean, that was just crazy. Like he had 10 snaps and seven pressures. You, you know, he looks outstanding. So, by the way, they just got off the practice field. A little bit of Christian Watson, no sign of Aaron Jones, you know, but LaFleur would not say who's in, who's out, who's maybe, who's questionable. But, you know, I, Jordan Love's going to have to figure that out with guys like Romeo Dobbs and who knows, my guy yeah. Malik Keith. Who knew? Who knew, right? Mike, my guy, who knew? Mike knew. Appreciate your time, Mike. Mike Clements. That was from a little earlier during the Bill Michaels show. I wanted to give Mike a little reprieve. I'm like, Mike, you don't have to pull double duty today. I can just cut it up and and reuse some of the same information because it's important stuff. It's it's meaningful, especially with Aaron Jones and Christian Watson on the injury bubble this week. We're not really sure if if they're going to be good to go. We still don't really know. Um that was information that we needed from Mike today. So today of, of most days and of all days, I was especially happy uh, to have him here and to get the insight. He doesn't think Aaron Jones is going to play. You heard that. I'm going to hold out hope. We shall see. Uh, we shall see. I don't know. I'm going to hold out hope. Christian Watson playing would be great. I'm almost just content to let him both rest and get him healthy for the home opener of the Saints game and hopefully put the hammies in the rearview mirror and then it's something we don't have to worry about again. I'm interested to see what the game plan becomes without Aaron Jones. Because last week, we really saw how significant the drop-off was from Aaron Jones to A.J. Dillon. We'd like to think of this as a split backfield. I know a lot of Packers fans in the last, I don't know, couple months or so, it's like, well, the Packers have one of the best backfields in football. Well, then A.J. Dillon needs to be really, really good for that to be the case, especially as Aaron Jones ages. The Packers have never wanted to burden him with 20-plus touches a week. They're certainly not going to want to do it now as, you know, on his second or third contract with the team, you know, however the, the restructures and the money works. He's been here a while. He's been in the league a long time, and you want to maximize him throughout the course of the season. You want to maximize his time on this team. You don't want to give him 25 carries a week. A.J. Dillon needs to take some of that, and he might have to take a lot more this week if Aaron Jones isn't playing. What does that mean? Are we running more snaps from under center, busting out the eye formation? Because whatever they tried to do with A.J. Dillon last week, completely and totally failed i mean it just wasn't working even when things were blocked well even when he got out in space uh, on a really well executed screen to the right side you remember the far side i think it was in the third quarter and he like fell forward and pancaked for six yards it's like my guy most nfl running backs are getting a first down there 
You're supposed to be 1A or 1B on this team. We need a little bit more. So Matt LaFleur's got to get in the lab if Aaron Jones can't go and figure out how do we get the most out of A.J. Dillon. What can we tweak? Uh, what personnel groupings can we use? What formations? You know, that kind of thing. And if Christian Watson's not able to go, you know, stretching the field vertically and, and, and expanding the space that the Falcons defense has to cover, that gets a little bit more difficult. I think that this game is going to be low scoring, low and slow ground and pound. The totals 40. I think it's going to shake out right about there. Now, whether it falls over or under the 40, I don't know, but I think that is a very accurate total. And that I think this game is going to feel like a big 10 West game possessions at a premium. Arthur Smith has shown us in the past. I don't need Desmond Ritter to do anything other than take the snaps and not fumble and not throw picks. If we get through a game without him turning the ball over, I guess if he completes a couple passes in the meantime, great. But if not, I don't care. Just don't turn the ball over. The Packers are going to need to blow up that Falcons offensive line, get in the grill of Desmond Ritter, and make him make a mistake. I think if they can get him to throw a pick or get him to fumble, get the ball on the ground, get some big sacks, that's going to be the difference in this game. Because I think the Packers and the Falcons are really similar. They will have young quarterbacks. I think Jordan Love's better. But the skill position players, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Bijan Robinson, I think are a little bit better than what the Packers have. And they're further along in their development, right? Like, Bijan Robinson is better than any running back the Packers have. That might be true of Tyler Algier as well. Drake London, I really like. And, and most importantly, he's got a year of experience. Kyle Pitts got a couple years of experience, even though his team doesn't, you know, like using him. Appreciate you listening. Hanging out between Bill's show the last couple days and this show from 4 to 6. Have an awesome weekend. Enjoy college football tomorrow. The Packers on Sunday. Remember Bill's Green and Gold postgame show Sunday afternoon for all your postgame needs. I will be back on Monday at 4. Talk to you then. What can we say? Thank you all very much. You sure make a, a boy from Mississippi feel right at home in Wisconsin. Thank you all.